Welcome to the UFTA Podcast. Hosted by Emily O'Connor and Jordan Rudolph. The UFTA Podcast brings you a surprisingly fresh take on everyday topics in health, fitness, and everything in between. We want to open the door to explore new information and new solutions in a way that's easy for you to understand and apply to your own life. Let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to episode six of the UFTA podcast. Uh, We are here. We're excited to be with you today. However, you're joining us, wherever you're joining us. uh, As always, we're happy to have you. And as always, I am joined by coach extraordinaire, coach Emily. Coach Emily, how goes it? Hello. Good. How are you? Good. I am. uh, I know you guys can't see this, but Emily and I are talking on Zoom. So if I do sound different, it is because I am calling in from San Diego, Oceanside, uh, fresh off of the Titleist Performance Institute seminar, uh, three full days. And uh, there is a strong opportunity that I will be able to work with a PGA professional tomorrow, a PGA Tour player. Uh, so I decided to skip my flight home and hang out here for a few days to try and uh, see if I can add something like that to the repertoire and resume and, and uh, take my crack at kind of working with a professional uh, golfer to help me and um it's probably going to be a last minute thing but we're going to be here and uh we're hanging out regardless so hopefully we'll we'll have it happen so emily's emily's back at home uh in lacrosse running the ship and uh we're going to keep the show going yeah absolutely excited to hopefully have you have this opportunity as well um so fingers crossed that kind of all works out uh for you today and tomorrow and and following days and all things yeah, it's one of those things where I think opportunity is there. And the only reason I'm able to take this opportunity and even go through it is by having conversations and networking, but also having a team. So like, just from a, from a standpoint of guys of like your journey, however you're listening to this from a business owner standpoint, from a just a self journey standpoint, uh, the team is there to help you, right? So however your team is, however your support is there. Um, and, 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 and if you get the right people in place, it allows you to kind of enable to like just really get to work on the things that you're able to work on because everything else is kind of taken care of. You can just put the head down and go. Uh, in this case, from a s- small business owner standpoint, um, I'm very grateful to have the team and Emily there uh, holding down the ship uh, while I'm out here. And they're going to be doing that in a whole week. I'm, I'm now gone the entire week. So it'll be a full like two weeks until I get back to Unity, which is, which is pretty cool for me to even think about saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's gone well and I'm excited to kind of, we have a little bit different team here at Unity. So I'm excited for everyone to kind of step into, into those roles as you're gone too. So pretty excited for things, for things here as well. Good opportunity there for you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So should be fun. Um, But by the time you hear this, I will be back home in lacrosse. So, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll keep things kind of rolling along. I'm excited to share the information from this weekend too. Like it, of course it was a, it was a total mind F and I, and I was hoping it wouldn't, I was hoping it would be, but not how we program things. And of course, like it's, it's, it's going to change a little bit. So (laughs) like, here we go. As it does, they were just joking today in one of the sessions about, Ooh, that exercise is on the the six year track. Ooh, that one's on the four year track. And the the comment back was, well, things accelerate sometimes. (laughs) So, So you just never know. Oh, that they do, that they do. So, and what are we, uh, what are we talking about today? Yeah. So for our trending fitness topic, we're going to dive into how to know when you're ready for a progression, be it an exercise, be it to take a step forward in your training, uh, be it to access kind of a new type of training, all different kind of realms there. Uh, in nutrition, we are going to talk a little post-workout nutrition. So a couple of episodes ago, we touched on a little pre-workout nutrition. Now we are heading into that post-workout nutrition. And then for our main content today, we are going to be talking a little bit about chemical dysfunctions of the body, aka a little bit of inflammation uh, causes kind of where that comes from, what we can do about it. Uh, and, and what, why we should notice, uh, those different causes and some of which we might not think about right off the top of our head. So really kind of covering a wide range of topics in terms of a little nutrition, a little 
uh, fitness and then kind of everything tying that all together with a little bit of inflammation and, and lifestyle talk at the end. Yeah. So a pretty, pretty cool episode. There's a couple things on here, guys, like especially just the, our trending quote unquote fitness topic. Um, that's a very like off the cuff thing that Emily and I talked about pre-show. So I think the cool thing for you guys is you'll have two different inputs that are probably very similar, but also might give you a couple different, um, you know, solutions that you can kind of find your own path on and experiment with. But uh, there, there's a lot of cool stuff, uh, I think, to, to go through all that there. So we're excited to, to be able to share this information with you guys. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, if you're ready, I'll just kind of dive right yeah. in to the, in. to the progression. Yeah. So how to know when you're ready for a progression kind of spawned from a conversation I was having with some of our members in one of the sessions today in moving up specifically relating to the high hex bar. And here at Unity, we have a very specific, you lift the red kettlebell or 70 pounds for three sets of 12 repetitions with good form, pain-free, all the passing markers. And that's kind of our gateway to, you're ready to lift the high hex bar now. Um, But as we were kind of talking, it was, hey, how do I know when I'm ready for X, Y, and Z? Like, how do you know what to give me essentially in my program? Um, So I think that was really interesting. And speaking in terms, my answer was, well, it kind of depends on a lot of factors as with many answers in fitness, but uh, kind of depends on what the current thing you're doing looks like. So if you're doing a, you know, say you're doing a kettlebell deadlift, does it look good? Are we lifting enough weights? Is the form adequate? Is the breathing right? Are you able to lift it? Not only pain-free in the moment, but pain-free also following that as well. Is there nothing that creeps up the next day? So by looking at all those different variety of markers, we can kind of use them to paint the picture of, Ooh, yes, you're ready for this or Ooh, no, we need to take a step maybe laterally and keep you there in a different way to kind of hone own in on something that might not be quite a bar yet. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of little nuggets there that we can kind of unwrap and kind of go bullet point style. And the other thing that I want to make sure we cover, Em, is, is there's there's progressions that I think in terms of the conversation that you had with some of the members was specifically for strength. But mm-hmm. how do we know for, for progressions on like mobility? How do we know progressions on core? How do we know maybe progressions on power and maybe then what some of those progressions could look like? So I, I, I think if we make sure that we cover, you know, we have, we'll go with strength first because that's our X factor. Yeah. That's our cheat code. That's our bread and butter. Then maybe we'll touch base like really quick mobility. Uh, or like, let's, yeah, strength and then let's go like mm-hmm. mobility and core and then maybe a little bit of power at the end. But we, we can kind of buzz through this to make sure we're not spending, uh, you know, like 40 minutes on it, which I think we could. Um, but I, 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 I think one of the nuggets you said there was, can you, can you make the lift look good? Like, are you making it look like, like does the deadlift or the squat look like a deadlift or squat the entire way through? Right. Right. That's a big, that's a big component. But I think the sneaky one you, you, you caught there was the breathing part, because if you, at the end of the day, if you can't breathe through any movement at all you are not in control of that movement. That movement is in control of you. And there's different reasons why that breathing could go off and and could change depending on the movement and the body position and everything else, but you still do not have control of that. So it is either something that is um, affecting the nervous system or the auto. Yeah. The nervous system will say uh, for that, that side of things, or it is um, changing like the intensity. It's physically too much for the body but there's a lot of different things that could affect your breathing, but regardless it's happening. So I think the, the easy one is if you can breathe like you're supposed to during the movement, that's a nice indicator for you to know that you can move on. Mm -hmm. If there's no strength standards in place, like we have the one for the deadlift at unity, then how do I know when to move on for the next thing? How do I know when to move up and wait? It's basically when you get done with your rep scheme and if you feel like you can do several more or you can have an immediate conversation or, it, there's different ways we can look at it, but if you, you were supposed to do three sets of 10, you get a 70 pound kettlebell, do it. Can you stand up and like look up at a coach or just think for a second away from the deadlift and be like, Oh, I can do 10 more. Like you're probably ready for that too. 
Yeah, I think I think paying attention to those reps in terms of how many do you have left when you're done? Like, do you only have two or three? Like, all right, that's probably where we need to be on average for most things, kind of speaking in a 10, a 10 rep range and just in general, but is if the goal is, Hey, you know, I want to max out obviously two or three left in the tank isn't there. Right. But at the same token, if we hit the end of the lift and you're like, Oh yeah, like you said, I could do 10 more like, okay, well, we're probably not heavy enough to be lifted or to be able to see the adaptations that we want to from the lift we're executing. So in order to make that progress, to see the change, that's where we can kind of add a little bit of weight. I also really like what you said about breathing kind of segue talking about mobility. I think that's a good kind of indicator of a mobility drill as well to kind of see, Ooh, is this too challenging for you? Like, are you holding your breath throughout this entire mobility drill? Like probably not the one, like we might actually have to take a step back, control the breathing and perhaps a more pre uh, progression or an easier version of an exercise before we move on. Um, and vice versa, if things are easy, you're breathing through it, you're feeling comfortable, that might be a good indicator to say, hey, like, oh, yeah, I could move on to a more challenging um, mobility drill there as you as you own that movement, in addition to, like you were mentioning, that breathing is a huge aspect of that. Yeah, the, the, the breathing is one that I always try to listen for. Um, you might not always be able to see it, but I, you can always hear it. So that's a big one there. The other pieces of the strength are, you know, the, the, the very long shot one is if you haven't moved up in a while or you're not getting results, like it's probably time to move up to assuming that the exercise selection and, and the movement and the weight selection was appropriate for whatever it is you're doing. But I think that breathing one is the one that I think we at unity probably notice probably aside from form, physical form right? It's probably that one that we don't notice uh, consciously that we use a lot, but we probably probably do. And a lot of times the people will tell us when they get done, they're like, oh, I wasn't breathing there. I'm like, okay, well, we're not moving up anytime soon. Like this is, this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. going to be one we're sticking with. So there's, there's that component. Um, when you can control it through good form, uh, when you can, when you can have the breathing through strength, uh, when you're still, when you're not being challenged, I guess, anymore. And I think the other thing is uh, the next day, if there's no pain, like if there's no mm-hmm. weird pain, like I always, like, a lot of times we, we used to assume that the person was ready to progress by that moment of that session. Like as soon as they were done with their two sets of 12 or three sets of 10, mm-hmm. whatever it was, where now I think we do a better job of, Hey, how are you feeling 24 hours after? right? How are you, how are you feeling a day or two after that's kind of our real tell? Cause if we say like, Oh, you're ready to move up. And then all of a sudden we reach out to you the next day, or you come in, Hey, how are you feeling after yesterday's workout? Oh, you know, my, my low back was kind of feeling it after those single leg RDLs or the deadlifts or the, you know, X, Y, Z. Oh, well, maybe we aren't right. Quite ready to move on yet. And, and that's, that's a nice parameter for strength training as well. Yeah, I agree. I think we've definitely kind of changed instead of just progressing um, in terms of like, okay, like come in, didn't feel great. Maybe we own a lighter weight, but maybe we add a tempo instead, right? Like Mm -hmm. kind of honing in on those areas of control a little bit more uh, Mm -hmm. to then own that heavier weight when you're ready for it. And all of those can be kind of progressions in and of themselves when we're speaking just in terms of progression. Uh, It doesn't necessarily like we're talking strength. So obviously adding intensity, adding weight, but also adding things like time can progress an exercise without adding weight necessarily. And it makes you have to own it, makes you have to focus in on your breathing to perform it correctly. Uh, some of our other favorite progressions are changing the stance or position, depending on the exercise, you can either move the weight to a different spot. You can hold it differently. You can change your feet. Uh, you can, you can narrow or widen your stance. All of those things have an effect. All those things play a role all of those things uh, will have an outcome. And, and I think that what is there nine ways that you can progress an exercise, right? Something mm-hmm. I can't remember what we have written down on the board. I think it's nine um, following the DDRT system, if you will, but it's, it's, there's so many different ways, but to, to be able to do it is, is you got to be ready. And, and I think the ways that we just said to be ready is breathing, posture, uh, 
kind of like that rates of, of perceived exertion. How many reps do you have left in the tank when you're done? Sometimes you don't know that until you test it either. So there's there every once in a while, you might just have to do a retest, right? And the retests are always nice to see your progress. So if you did a 15 rep squat max test, right? Something that you could goblet squat for 15 reps. And uh, we probably don't do that enough at Unity, having almost like a nice test-in type of thing where they, when they join us, like how many push-ups can they do at X height? How many squats can they do at X weight once, when they're ready for it? You know, mm -hmm. just something that they can kind of test their progress and the, to see that they're getting stronger if it's not very obvious already. Uh, but just some, something to look at uh, to help you. The mobility thing, you nailed it already. I think it's the breathing thing as well. Uh, one of the other things in mobility is like, are we actually getting better? Like, does it stick? Is it is it like mm -hmm. making your posture better? Is it making your ribs move better? Is it making your pelvis, you know, whatever it is, are your hip flexors, are, are you activating more glutes and feeling more core? If that's not happening, probably have to change the exercise regardless, but it might be too much of an exercise for you or, or is it mm -hmm. what's, what's making it not stick? Are you doing something, you know, it's kind of a conversation. What are you doing outside of the gym, but for mobility progressions, is it something where you feel like it's getting easier and that you can maintain it and you can breathe through it? Those are, those are probably the three things that I, I always try to think I look for. Yeah. I think mobility can be a tricky one. Cause we just, it can be one where it's typically like we use it in a ramp or warm up. So it's the first thing you do. And sometimes you're not always dialed in. Um, so it can be really easy and to almost go through that without thinking about it, without thinking about the breath, without kind of going slow, you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, but I really think that when we own it, like when we're able to own it is when we also perform it with intention behind that movement too. So that leads that almost precedes the owning it precedes the progression like I know, you know, doing the same exercise isn't always exciting, but I've done a hip flexor stretch before every workout I've probably ever done. And it's the same hip flexor stretch. I never mix it up because I like my hip flexor yep. stretch. It feels good. It works. So I think kind of being cognizant of mobility too, like owning the movements with intention can create just as much progression as like a whole new exercise in and of itself. So. Yeah. 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 No doubt. No doubt. I'm with you there. Uh, good, good points in the mobility part of it. Um, understanding the value core. I think core is more like uncontrolled. Like, can you do it without having any pain or feeling it? And like, in, I always think like core, you should always feel it kind of globally and, and maybe more abs. If we're specifically working on core, there might be some things, you know, that we want you to feel. Um, but it shouldn't be core should never be pinpointed. If something's pinpointed, like you're not ready for it. It's too much, uh, type of thing. Um, so I was like, I was kind of like that for core. It's more, more about control and where do you feel if you're feeling everything working in, it's pretty easy. Again, you can have conversations, probably time to find a harder core exercise or, or do more reps. Right. Um, and power is the tricky one too. Like, are you able to still move the weight fast if you were to move up or are you able to still move quickly if you were to try to change lower body stuff or, you know, sometimes you have to learn it. Like if we're dropping off a box, landing on one leg and jumping over to the side like that takes a little bit of coordination mm -hmm. um but are, are we still able to uh move with power i think that i think it's a pretty obvious one to, to think too like we we definitely know when we don't see power and and then if we if we're not seeing the power i think it's 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 uh you progress too soon type of thing yeah i, I like power uh i always think of power kind of from a perform better one of the perform better seminars i did uh virtually you last summer, the summer before, but they talked about a lot about tying in that control aspect. Like we talked about from the core, but then also mm -hmm. that speed aspect. So being able to be in control, but move fast. So I think yeah. both of those things really have to be there. Like you talked about with the coordination and the, the ability to move fast. Like if we go up and wait and all of a sudden we're slow and we're sloppy and we're all over the place, like that's not no longer training power. We're just moving for mm -hmm. the sake of moving. So kind of being cognizant there. And power is, power is different for, for everybody too, right? There's uh, somebody who just started out at a gym at age 60, 65 with a couple of things going on in the body. Their power drills might look very, very, very different. That might be like um, not even considered a warm-up for somebody who's 30, 35, 40, been at the gym for a few years. Wouldn't mm -hmm. even, even be something we warm it up with. So there's, there's different ways, but it's at the end of the day, it's still power like relative to the person. And, and I like what you said there, what you learned from that perform better stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think just knowing 
to kind of wrap everything up, kind of knowing the markers of mm -hmm. what you're doing and where you maybe need to hit before you go up and recognizing like if you go up and it doesn't work, like you just go back down. Not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not, 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 not bad at all. Mm -hmm. Not bad at all. Cool. Yeah. I like it. So hopefully that helps progressing your strength and your mobility and your core and your power exercise. How do you know when to progress? A lot of it is on you in terms of how you feel. So being relative to that and how you're responding to it, how you're breathing to it. So uh, keep those things in mind and, and, uh, and apply those where necessary. When we talk about the nutrition topic today, we are covering that post-workout meal rather than the pre-workout that we did uh, in one of the earlier episodes. And the post-workout meals got one primary source of function, and that is to help you recover, right? There's no other way, shape, or form to say it. Post-workout is for recovery. And there's been a lot of different conflicting research over the years of when this recovery window, this metabolic window after a workout is relative to you. Some people said it used to be like 10 to 15 minutes after a workout. Some of the research now says you can go for hours and, and still be in the workout window, the more experience you have. But the latest research is showing that it's actually a little bit different from males to females and females should be getting their pre post-workout, sorry, post-workout recovery nutrition in within 30 minutes or less of their workout. And after 30 minutes, the body, because of hormones and stuff like that, the females have, it actually starts to uh, go into that catabolic state where it kind of starts to eat itself is essentially how it works. Um, but that's, that's kind of a new thing coming out there. That's a, that's a very new study that's out there. Some research is supporting that pretty strongly as well. And the male window can go up to two hours. The testosterone in the body of the males is apparently something that's probably the, the cause of that too. So they have a little bit more time. Sorry, ladies. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, but um, M, do you want to talk about then, if that's kind of like the window, do you want to talk about what they should eat, what they should not eat? And we, I can come back at the end and kind of cover gram counts if, if, and, and portion sizes. So when we think of nutrition, we think about kind of our three main macronutrients, if you will, if our carb carbohydrates, our proteins and our fats, right? So when we're looking at a post-workout nutrition to pinpoint some specific specificities about each of those things, right? Think of carbs. That's our fuel source, right? That's how we get our most people following a traditional kind of macronutrient split of a diet provided you're not following a ketogenic diet, et cetera. Those are all outliers, but looking at kind of carbohydrates as the energy source of the body protein is kind of those building blocks. So if we are going into a hard strength training workout, strength training is that stimulus that says, Hey, build the muscle, maintain the muscle protein basically repairs and builds on to that muscle. And then our fat, we kind of think of that as like the protection, right? So we think of it insulating, um, we think of it in terms of hormone health, uh, Jordan touched on that for females, but also for males as well, um, plays a big role in that fat is the slowest digesting. So when we're thinking of this in terms of post-workout, we don't want to slow digestion down. We want to ex expedite, if you will, the nutrients into the blood flow, allow the body to kickstart that recovery as fast as possible. As a result, our post-workout nutrition, we want to be largely carbs and protein based. So when we're choosing those foods, whether it's a, a smoothie or a shake, whether it's a full meal, we want to kind of choose foods then that are carbohydrate and protein based. If you can get in a full meal, again, like Jordan said, with kind of those shorter windows, sometimes that can be challenging, especially if you're commuting to the gym, running right to work. If you're like me hopping on to record said podcast, perhaps a smoothie or a shake is likely the best option, right? Quick grab and go typically has a little bit of fruit, carbs, protein. There's some usually protein powder in there can throw in some different add-ins, make it different flavors, et cetera, but largely carbs and protein based. Same thing if we're going into a meal, probably not the time to load up with say avocado toast or mixed nuts or some of those higher fat foods, we want to kind of focus on carbs and protein. So looking at if we are going to have toast, maybe we go say it's breakfast, we go toast with some eggs and egg whites instead, 
right. As opposed to maybe some veggies thrown in there, a little bit of fiber, um, is, is never a bad thing in terms of vegetable intake, if you will. But when we look at that kind of being mindful of those food choices, recognizing, Ooh, do I have time for a full meal? What should I pack? Saving some of those higher fat content foods for outside that workout window or later in the day when they can help the body. We don't have a problem with digestion being slower, but really what post-workout we're kickstarting that recovery. We want that nutrition in the body as fast as possible to start repairing as much as we possibly can from the workout at hand. That fast as possible piece is nice with protein recovery smoothies or shakes, right? When I say shake, I'm referring to just uh, some sort of liquid with protein by itself, typically whey protein and a piece of fruit. The smoothie, when I say protein smoothie, that's kind of like the combination where everything's blended together. But the more liquefied something is, the faster it'll digest. That's, that's kind of the, the key there. There are different types of protein in terms of casein and whey and hydrolyzed whey and white whey iso and hydrolyzed whey iso, right? There's, there's tons of different that. Basically, the, the more pure the protein gets, the faster it's digested. Um, the other beauty about using whey protein after a workout or some form of high quality protein, uh, whey protein is that less is lost in the digestion process and more is put into the body through absorption. The, uh, the other part of that I wanted to touch on was if you are going to have some fat after a workout, 10 ish grams is probably like the max. You, if you're focused on it, if you're really worried about it, it's not like you're going to what happens is like Emily said, you're going to slow down to the digestion. So you're not going to get as maximal recovery out of it. Your muscles might not get as much energy put back in protein synthesization might not go uh, as much as what you wanted it to do. Um, the word I'm thinking of glycolysis, glycolysis is the, is basically, is it glycolysis? That's the reuptake of glycogen into the muscles, into the body. Right. I think it's glycolysis. New yes gluco gluco it's not gluconeogenesis that's no. the other one okay it's so it's glycolysis i think protein and carbs together help the other do its job right so the carbs help the protein create synthesization the synthesis of protein and the presence of protein helps carbs go through glycolysis if i am saying that correctly um, i think glycolysis is using glucose not the real glucose. glucose so maybe it is gluconeogenesis this is bad. I have to go back to anatomy. Renee's watching. She's <laughs> going to, she's going to hurt me. Um, she's going to hurt me emotionally too. Hey everybody. Editing Emily here just to clarify as we are talking, uh, to save ourselves from not remembering our anatomy just so well. So glucogenesis we were talking about is the, um, formation of glucose from carbohydrate sources. So that's utilizing glucose. Gluconeogenesis is the formation of glucose from non-carbohydrate sources. The word we were looking for here in the process is glycogenesis, which is the formation of glycogen in from that glucose. So glucose being carbohydrates uh, and glyco is glycogen as in the stored carbohydrate in the muscles. So the anatomy pathway uh, name that we were looking for here is glycogenesis, uh, not either of the two others listed. Now back to the episode. The, the big part is we want glycogen back into the muscles. And uh, this is ironically enough, post-workout time is actually like the primary time that we want to use insulin, the hormone insulin, everyone use it as a bad hormone. It's a time released hormone. It's based on food. This is actually when we want the insulin to be spiked because that promotes faster uh, bloodstream activation absorption into the body to help promote uh, these proteins and these carbs entering our, our gut and our uh, small intestine uh, to do the things more efficiently and faster. And it goes to the muscles, right? It, 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 there's some stuff that does with the liver, but um, this is actually when we, when we like insulin, this is actually when we want it. If there were be a time we want it in favor of us, it's, it's this time right now. Um, usually for uh, the, the general gold standard is kind of like a palm of protein. A fist of carbs is kind of like the, the nutrition size towards that. Usually it's like anywhere between 20 and 30 grams of protein. 
anywhere from about 20, 20 to 30 grams of carbs. We like the one-to-one -one ratios. If you're a male, you, you probably get a little bit more protein in there. If you're training a really hard workout and you're training for strength or, or hypertrophy muscle building, uh, you can probably go a little bit higher. Um, but you don't need to go like crazy with like 60 grams of protein and like hundred grams of carbs. You certainly can, depending on your goals and your experience. If you are trying to really build some serious muscle and strength, the post-workout can also kind of be your biggest meal of the day where you, where you can really promote some of that protein and carbs and you can go, you can go pretty high end if you want it. I think that's everything we wanted to, to cover with the post-workout meal. It's, it's super important, uh, to, towards your recovery so that you're able to not feel like poop the rest of the day. Um, to, if you wanted to, if you wanted to make sure you weren't as sore or maybe avoid soreness at all, uh, that's where your recovery comes into play. If you want to have energy after a workout, that's where recovery comes into play. If um, you want to make sure that you can do what you want to be able to do the next day, like in the gym, that's where your recovery comes into play. This post-workout meal arguably is the most important meal of the day, right? Besides breakfast, which I still think is a, is a valuable thing. New research on that with females too. We can talk about that another time, but females eat breakfast and get the most protein of your day in at breakfast. I promise you, uh, you will, you will appreciate me later on if you're hearing this and, and listening to that. I just heard the research from the woman herself. So, um, I digress on that right now, but post workout. Yeah. I think we got everything right. Em? I think so. Yeah. I, I think the biggest part, like you said, is just kickstarting that recovery, knowing that <laughs> you're training, like if you're constantly beating your body down and down and down and down, like nutrition plays a huge role in that repair. So the more we can repair, the more we can come back, the more that we can go do the things that we want to do, whether that's in the gym, whether that's out of the gym, et cetera. Uh, yeah. It really plays a role in so much. Um, and, and I think a lot can be gained from dialing in on specifically that post post-workout nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, the people who don't focus on that, especially now that I'm hearing the research, seeing the research and reading the research of females, um, like we're, we're totally missing the boat. So like that to, to, to you, the other part of it too is, oh, I don't need, I don't need post-workout. I'm going to go home and eat dinner. And all of a sudden you go home and you're like, oh, I got a grocery shop. Oh, I got to pick up my kid. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to do this. And all of a sudden it's three hours later. And regardless of your male or female, you haven't eaten, like you missed, you missed your chance. Like there's, there's so much opportunity there. And, and I think it's, it's a, it's a major, major thing to jump on if you're not doing that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Diving into the main topic, mm -hmm. ready to hop into it. Um, we can hop right into it. This is going to be a fun one. I'm going to take it away because I know some of this kind of spawned from your weekend uh, at TPI. So I'll let you kind of kick it off talking a little chemical dysfunctions of the body, AKA little inflammation. I think one of the best things that this podcast is allowing Emily and I to do is it's allowing us to educate our members and the people from a platform that reaches far beyond what we thought was going to happen in terms of like just an Instagram post or having conversations at the gym. And we're having the conversations that we've wanted to have with people, but we don't have time to do it in the gym in a 60 minute session because we have six people on the floor and we're trying to get people in and out, get out of their workout you know, like we just don't have time. And now we do with the podcast. It's, it's, it's been an amazing blessing. Um, and one of those things is having a person actually understand and realize the power that food in their environment has on their body uh, physiologically, which in this case, uh, I'm going to use the word that Emily used earlier that I've used with her is chemical. And the chemicals that we put in our body or around our body can drastically affect our body in both a positive and negative way. But a lot of times it comes out negative and inflammation. And that's from numerous different factors. But here's the big thing. Inflammation is uh, natural. It's your body's natural response to fighting something. So if you go through a workout, like we actually create inflammation in the body. We've all been sore after a workout muscle wise. We've all had tendons and ligaments that have been muscles that have been a little sore. Hopefully not too much tendons and ligaments. Um, hopefully not so much joint pain as well. But that's inflammation and it's a natural response. And we either have to let the body naturally recover from that, or we have to fight chemical, basically chemical changes um, with chemicals. We, we, we fight chemicals with chemicals, right? 
And the different things that can basically cause this inflammation in the body are your lifestyle choices. If you have a cold or you get the flu, we get inflamed. We feel it in our body. That is inflammation in the body. That's a chemical thing. Uh, DOMS or delayed muscle onset muscle soreness, a word called inflammaging, um, which is the inflammation increased that's increased in the body with age. Arthritis is one of the main ones. Um, we can go through nutrition. We can go through uh, bacterial or viral. I think that's a pretty obvious if anybody uh, has paid any attention to anything in the last two years. Um, and then environmental. Like, right, and there's more out there that can cause inflammation, but we're specifically talking about the chemical pieces. And why we're talking about this is because the scariest part about this, potentially scariest part, is we can't see them. We can't see, I mean, we kind of can if we think about food, but we, the chemicals is in our body. We can't really see it. And it's, and it's doing something that changes our body. So we have to do something to then help change that, or we have to change something if chemicals are, are doing that to us. Um, I think I, I hope that made sense, but how do you, how do you know? It, I mean, a lot of times we don't, it's everywhere. You have to, you have to pay attention. You have to be mindful. I like what you said there about kind of, we can't see it, but it's changing. And I think changing our body. So I think a lot of times that can leave us feeling disempowered and unsure. Like last week we talked about where to start, right? So overwhelming. You just listed eight things that we can start with as, as potential, like, oh my gosh, these cause inflammation. So when we're looking at these causes kind of nailing down, like, okay, what are the big kind of causes that might be affecting me that would make the most sense for me to focus on first, right? So instead of attacking all four, all eight of these things or seven or eight, whatever you just listed, I think it was eight. Um, what is affecting me now, right? Like you might not have a cold or flu, but recognize like, okay, the cold or flu could, could cause me some inflammation, but what in my lifestyle, what nutrition choices am I making that is causing inflammation? Is my workout causing me inflammation? What can I do from a nutrition side, perhaps to combat that? Like you said, fighting that chemical with the chemical. So instead of being overwhelmed, kind of taking this information and using it to create informed decisions, kind of tying back our overall goal cast in general um, and, and kind of going from there. So is there one that maybe stands out you want to start with and kind of spitball some suggestions, things to focus on? We can go all day. I think, I think the main thing I wanted to drive home is we fight chemicals with chemicals. And the number one chemical that we have from a natural standpoint on our side is nutrition. The better your nutrition is, the better your diet is, and water, this is part of water, the better that is, that is us doing the natural way of helping fight chemicals with chemicals without going into the medicine route or anything else like that. So, um, I, I mean, we didn't even touch on the ischemia one of, of the reduced blood flow yet either, but I, I, I think we can, we can hammer home more of like the nutrition side for us and mm -hmm. maybe more of like the movement side in, in a positive uh, way, not so much of like, you need to work out more and strength train more because we know that that actually is one of the top in like top things that causes inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but we, we fight that. We just talked about the post-workout recovery. Like that's, that's our body's already way of responding to, to that. So I think we can talk more about the nutrition side, like the lifestyle, diet, nutrition, and yeah. movement in a positive way. And guys, one of the, one of the biggest signs that you're inflamed is loss of mobility. I, I want you to understand that too. That is one of the number one sign of it is that you you are you are you've lost your mobility. You're not moving well, or you're not moving as well as you think you should have done. Something like that. That is that is the number one sign of inflammation. Yeah, I think that uh, that hits home for me, kind of in a personal way, with a lot of the work we've been doing with our durability class and functional range conditioning, where their system is kind of based on moving each joint of the body, not only because it's just good to move, but because it does promote that fluid movement through the joint. It promotes the nutrients pushing into and out of the joint to reduce inflammation, to make sure that we can move where we want to move. And that's only kind of attained by some of like you talked about that restorative movement 
uh, in functional range conditioning known as CARS or controlled articular rotations, where we take each joint through the full range of motion, we can check in and see, oh, it's tight here. I'm not usually tight there. That's where, hey, something's happening, right? And mm -hmm. is it inflammation? Is it something else? Is it a little bit of loss of mobility due to inflammation? Is it a temporary thing? Is it, hey, I've noticed this going on for a couple of weeks, but the more we can know about our body and what it feels like from a normal standpoint or an improved standpoint, the more able we are to then recognize when something is out of whack, when we are inflamed, maybe we ate something that we weren't used to. Maybe we, you know, encountered a bacteria or a viral infection, you know, our body's trying to fight that off. Our inflammation is a little bit higher uh, and having that kind of base level of what does my body feel like? How can I control it? How can I target some of that inflammation and potentially start to reduce that through that like restorative movement, um, in, in cars, uh, specifically with the FRC and durability. Yeah. The, the, the restorative movement is creating the, the, the release of toxins. It's getting your full range of motion. It's, it's helping the, the blood flow and it's bringing new blood into that joint through the articulation and, and into the joint and in the tendons ligaments, right? That's, that's a, that's a good movement. One, another good movement one is sometimes just going for a walk. Uh, another good movement one could be foam rolling. That's one of the actual big benefits of foam rolling is chemical uh, release of helping blood flow and everything else. It's it, the other part of it is ironic in terms of ischemia, which is loss of blood flow to a specific area. Um, how many times have we, and like you and I, we could say this too, like we go on a long car ride uh, trip and we get out of the car and it's like, oof, like the hips are right. I just traveled on the plane and I got here the next day. I'm like, oh, like I need to, like I can feel it in my hips. That's inflammation, uh, or sorry, that's that's lack of blood flow. It could be ischemia based. Um, and now on top of inflammation, right? So now we have, we have a double whammy. And uh, ischemia is basically from poor sleeping positions um, where if you're sleeping with your hands like above your, your head, right? Your, your elbows, your shoulders, your hands, your wrists are not getting as much blood flow uh, because they're above your heart. And now they could have golfer's elbow, for example, they could have a shoulder, for example. And they're like, oh, I think I slept on it wrong. You probably did, but you probably didn't give it good blood flow either. Um, improper ergonomics at work. M, this one's a huge one for us. Like we have the best workout in the world. Person goes to sit all day. They come back like, oof, like I'm sore. Like, three yes. days later, they're still like it, right? They don't do anything. They just sit all day and they're just trashing their hips. Um, so poor posture is a big one. Um, sleeping is a big one and ergonomics, whether it's in your car at work, uh, just how you're doing things that, that could produce ischemia, which is now putting, putting a lack of blood flow and, and nutrient rich blood on top of a chemical problem too. So there's, there's, it's a double whammy. Um, but again, in that case, the cars that Emily was referring to in our durability class, uh, foam rolling, or just doing for members of unity, just a good old fashioned mobility routine or a ramp, like something like that, that can just get blood flowing again is, is a big one there. But again, at the end of the day, we still have to address nutrition. We, we have to eat whole foods, green face. Uh, can, you can go the paleo route and say, can you hunt or gather it? But we, we, I like green face. Um, and, and, uh, knowing your body in terms of food allergies and sensitivities or reactiveness uh, is a big one for you too. Cause if you are trying to eat well, and one of the good anti-inflammatory foods out there is greens, but you're not supposed to eat Swiss chard or spinach. Um, and you're pounding salads all day. You, you could be actually making it worse in terms of uh, inflammation as well. Yeah. I think diving into kind of knowing how those foods affect your body. And one of the best ways to do that is to really pare down and kind of almost get simple with what you're eating from a nutrition standpoint. Um, instead of like, obviously eating a lot of different vegetables is great, but one of the easiest ways to dive into some of these potential causes is to pare it down. Like, Hey, let's only eat, you know, X, Y, and Z, like choose your foods, right. Um, say you're going to choose in, like you said, it's can be some of the, the most 
uncommon foods. Um, I know you've talked about like raw bell peppers before. I love a raw bell pepper in salads and, and other people, it just doesn't agree with them. So kind of nailing down whether that's through a food journal, whether that's through kind of dialing in, okay, I'm going to only have like my lunch is going to be, I always talk about mine, which is broccoli, sweet potatoes and, and chicken thighs. Right. So that is a very consistent for me when I don't have that for lunch, I feel differently. So when we can kind of find a consistent, whether it's for a short period of time or not, and again, those might not be your foods. I know broccoli is a very high fibrous food, not always the go-to option. And can, some people can react poorly, but when we can nail down a simple kind of array of foods, we can then pick and choose what we want to add back in and start to nail down again through that or through potentially food journaling, what might be causing a little bit more inflammation and what might be helping fight existing inflammation just yes. based on how we feel. 100%. Like that's, that's, that's the route that I would prefer us that we try to take most of our people. It does take a little bit of discipline and time um, to do that, but you guys can look up anti-inflammatory diets, but basically you already know what the foods are. Berries, olive oil, mixed nuts, avocado, fish, uh, typically for most people. Also a high sensitivity food, allergic food. Um, greens, uh, tomatoes, berries, I think I said that already. Like those, those are very uh, good foods to help uh, with anti-inflammatory uh, based things. Um, and they have a lot of anti-inflammatory markers in the body. And, uh, the, and water. Water is probably arguably the best thing that you can do, but it's the thing that people struggle most with. It's, it's unreal. It is, it is unreal. And, and I just wish people could understand like the power that water has and how, you know, if we were to ask them if they weren't feeling good, they'd say, how was your water intake? Like, oh, it's not been good the last couple of days. I'm like, well, no shit then. Right. Like it's pretty obvious. Right. So we, we have to do that. And again, if you lose some mobility, there's inflammation in the body. If it's everywhere, like if you feel it all over, then it's probably chemical. There's something going on in one of those eight things that we said earlier in terms of lifestyle, cold flu, DOMS, uh, inflammaging, arthritis, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental, and or ischemia on top of it. Yeah, I think kind of paying attention to the body, paying attention to, um, to it in a way that's not, we kind of talked about this earlier, or I did, um, not in an overwhelming way, but knowing like we do have control, like we, we can fight that chemical with chemical and mm -hmm. yes, though it takes a little bit of discipline and it might be challenging to do something as quote unquote simple as remembering to drink water. Once we start, it's kind of like the snowball effect. Once we start to feel better, we start to make some of those positive changes we really just get that ball rolling and it's easier to continue going. Like as with a lot of things in fitness, yeah. just starting, just getting out the door, those first couple steps, tying up the gym shoes, right? Like putting on the, the workout clothes is the hardest part. But once we're there, once we've started to make those changes, it really can become much more attainable and simple in thinking about it. Agreed. And it just takes some time, guys. It just takes some time. Uh, it takes consistent action. Right? We, if, for most of us, we don't become type 2, two diabetic overnight. It's from consistent action of probably doing not so great of things for most of the people who go get type 2. It's, it's more of a lifestyle thing that caused it. So we have to create a lifestyle thing out of it. And type 2 diabetes is now the number four uh, fourth highest killer in the world, right? And that is, that is one that is um, almost specifically lifestyle driven, which is scary, right? And it's growing, like it's, it's, it's gonna keep going up. Um, but finding those little things to consistently do is the big thing. We talked about it in one of our earlier episodes of not doing, being perfect about it, just getting, getting it going. The stuff that we put in our body that we don't always think about is, is affecting us in a positive or negative way. So we might as well do it positively as much as we can. And it does take some mindfulness. It's pretty obvious when I say it like that, like Emily and I are like, yeah, no shit, man. Like, duh. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it, we see it every day, guys, every day, the people who, who don't, uh, they'll, they'll sit in there and they'll talk our ear off about how bad they're feeling. 
and then we'll bring up like, well, what did you eat yesterday? It's not because of that. It's not because I had I had McDonald's. It's not because of that. It's because of this. And they'll say they're they'll carry on with their story, which we don't disagree with. We're not disagreeing, but it, what we can do about that is is the good food is is the stuff that Emily talked about earlier, and paying attention to that small steps. So um, just know that what you're doing and that standpoint has a much bigger impact that we can't see. The chemicals are usually invisible, um, but we can fight it with with the chemicals right back at it of, of stuff we need. That's that's good nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know that I have anything else to add. I think just kind of wrapping it up with like, pay attention to what you're doing, pay attention to kind of what you might not think, like even that smallest thing can be playing a factor that you might not even realize um, is, is impacting you and, and not to rule anything out. Um, yeah. It might be the thing you don't think about, like the the greens that are healthy or the raw bell peppers that, you know, are also healthy and, you know, toted as eat these all the time. Um, it might just be an individual thing. And if you guys need help with this stuff too, this is how we can members or not, right? You don't have to be a member to get nutrition coaching from us. Emily and I are both precision nutrition certified. We've literally coached over a thousand people, uh, thousands of people. You can you can just come on to nutrition coaching with us if you're listening to this from anywhere else. We can help you with this stuff and everything in between. Members, this is the stuff that we need to be talking about. Like this is this is a big deal. Not complaining about it, but finding a solution for it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening to this, if you're listening, it's my golden rule with Mandy uh, and and the team at Unity. If you're going to bring a problem to me, you got to bring a solution, or you're not allowed to complain, right? So all of you are, I say this and, and, and it'll happen, but uh, I, I wanna say, if you're members, you're not allowed to complain about it. Uh, and I know people will just to joke about it now, but it, 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 we can't complain about it if we're not willing to find the solution for it. So uh, we gave you some there, but it's deeper than that. It's, a, it's an inch, inch wide, mile deep, right? But that's what Emily and I are here for. That's the stuff that we really wanna try and be able to tackle with our nutrition coaching. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. One of our members said it today. I, I asked her how she was doing. She said, I could find, she's like, I'm pretty good. Could find something to complain about, but won't really get me anywhere. And I said, probably <laughs> not. It. Let's work it out. <laughs> hey, I, I, we get it too. We get it too. Uh, alcohol. I didn't even touch on alcohol, right? Neither of us said it, but alcohol is a big inflammatory thing. Big time, big time, big time, big time. It could help in some cases too, but it's, it's probably more not. <laughs> yeah. So Cool. I think, uh, I think that wraps up episode six. And what do you, what about you before we cut out again? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, well, thankfully we'll cut out all the cutting out parts. So the listeners won't have to deal with that, but we've had quite the zoom struggle here today. Uh, so yeah, I think that about wraps it up. I don't, uh, I don't have anything else to add. I think we really covered quite a bit today. Um, and as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in and looking forward to next episodes and if you guys ever have anything you want us to to talk about always feel free to send us a message an email shoot us a text catch us up in the gym um and and let us know what you you want to hear from us couldn't set it better we appreciate you guys uh very much hope you're doing well however you're listening to us hope you keep listening to us and uh yeah we'll see you next week cheers awesome. bye everybody